Hey Bliss Seekers, and welcome to your online home away from home. A place where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science, so we dispel the woo-woo of spirituality to help you find authentic health, balance, and bliss. I'm your host, Ari, a specialist registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, embodiment coach, and modern mystic. I've trained with the world's leading experts in psychology, mindfulness, and behavior change. And I am a recovered perfectionist, overachiever, and self-development junkie on a mission to help you stop being your own worst critic, to finally step into your authenticity, and return to wholeness through mind, body, and spirit integration. This is a place where imperfection is celebrated. So grab a cup of cacao, coffee, matcha, or whatever you fancy, and inhale deeply through your nose and out your mouth, and get ready to live in alignment. You're listening to Align with Ari. Hello, Bliss Seekers, and welcome to another episode of Align with Ari, the podcast. In today's conversation, Oh my goodness, a heart-centered conversation to say the least. I am joined by the wonderful Florencia Friedman, who is a mediating voice for indigenous communities and the founder of Florecer and co-founder of Cacao Laboratory, which is actually where I get my cacao here in New York. And she just shared with me in this episode that they're actually, they've now expanded to Europe and will be leading some retreats and sharing this cacao plant medicine in Italy and in Spain. So very exciting. So all of those who are in Europe and or the UK, I will definitely be sharing more on that if you follow along. Now, Florencia is a heart-centered visionary, teacher, and medicine for her community. She leads cacao circles and ceremonies, educational offerings, and workshops. And through her songs and personal sharing, she brings us back into the sanctuary of the heart. She really does, and you hear it, you know, in her poetic and so eloquent language today in our episode. It is her mission to create a global community of earth guardians and wellness advocates who embody a deep love and reverence for all beings. Mm, That is medicine in and of itself. It was such a pleasure to speak with Florencia in this episode. We really dive into her upbringing and really the experience she had witnessing and seeing her family, her mother and her her grandparents using rebirthing therapy to really start healing trauma. So from a young age of eight years old, and then she really walks us through her spiritual journey to coming home to herself through the practice and the sacredness of plant medicine, cacao medicine is to be specific. And so in today's conversation, we explore so many different things and it kind of just brought us to so many beautiful places that I think you'll appreciate so much. So really, some of the highlights include finding the spiritual path and learning to trust that process and surrendering the rebirthing therapy, what that is, 
the importance of accessing altered states of consciousness. So we actually touch a little on lucid dreaming and her experience and with being exposed to this practice. We also talk about the origins of cacao plant medicine, so where it really comes from and how you know cacao has then been used and eventually become what we know so well today to be chocolate and the difference between cacao, cocoa, and ceremonial grade cacao as well. We also explore ecological and nutritional benefits of ceremonial cacao and there are so many different benefits. We could have had an entire episode just on this alone, but already she highlights so many incredible things. I learned so much today as well. And we also talk about the heart opening effects, how you can use cacao on your healing journey and when to use it. So, so many different nuggets of wisdom are here. And mm, let me tell you, this is so soul nourishing. So if you want to learn more about Florencia and her work as well, she has so many beautiful avenues in which you can really connect with her, with Mother Earth, with this plant medicine, with a community, right? At the end of the day, I think what's so sacred about this medicine is that it really brings people together it brings you of course closer to your capital s self and equally there is you know that unity and that communing that really happens around cacao and and the kind of resurgence of plant medicine that we're seeing today and so often you know i was actually when i was first exposed to it cacao medicine is something that i actually have and use every single day so i am off caffeine no longer drinking coffee even though i absolutely love coffee it was definitely a hard thing but as a hypersensitive person i realized i had to listen to my body and it wasn't great for me anymore and so a little over two years ago i ended up being introduced to cacao well I was introduced to it actually over six years ago and I went to a first ceremony, but I kind of like tucked it away and really it didn't resurface. It didn't really come to mind until about a little over two years ago during the pandemic at the very beginning where a friend of mine invited me to do this little online 21 day retreat using cacao medicine. So I had to order my cacao, I had to prepare it every single day. And through that experience, it was so beautiful, so enriching and something that I couldn't, you know, couldn't have come at a better time during the pandemic I was really able to go inward and really meet myself where I was at so really there's a tenderness to cacao medicine and a really a deep sense of feeling held so it's almost like it gives you that sense of safety to be vulnerable with oneself to really explore some deeper parts of yourself that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have or at least that was my experience at the time and after the 21 days and I, you know, after stopping having it, I was like, but I kind of miss it. <laughs> I kind of want to have this in my day every day. So of course there are different doses for a ceremonial dose, which is what I used to kind of access deeper states of, of my subconscious and really doing the deeper work compared to a daily dose, which is, a, you know, for me, it's usually about 20 grams and a ceremonial dose might be about 30 for some people to 40 grams per day so on a daily you know on the daily i now use this and it's such a beautiful way to connect to heart to source as i start my day and then i journal and meditate and really set an intention for the day so that's my personal practice and of course before leaving london i started sharing that with the community that i was in which is so beautiful i have to say that was one of the most incredible experiences of holding a live 
workshop women's circle around the ceremony of cacao and bringing that together and there's so much power in bringing people together and sharing our heart song wow i have to say if you haven't done it before check around there are definitely online ceremonies you can join but equally you can go on to eventbrite and find a local ceremony near you that i definitely encourage you to explore it is something that is so beautiful and of course you also can then order your own cacao the cacao laboratory is one that i work with now and i have to say it's so beautiful and as you're going to hear from florencia her and her brother who have this business together really make sure that who they're getting it from is really benefiting and equally that ecologically it is sustainable like farming practices that are being used so really honoring mother earth which is where this medicine comes from so there is a deep reverence for all beings involved which i find so beautiful and it is really you know she walks the walk right she doesn't just kind of talk the talk it is so embodied so felt in her presence so yeah mm. You will love this. I hope you love it as much as I did. I was just like, ah, oh, yes, keep going. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you learn a bit more about this cacao medicine. This is something I receive so many questions about as it is something I post on my Instagram nearly every day, just kind of, you know, my daily ritual, making my cacao. I drink it. It's part of my morning routine. And if it's something that you want to start incorporating into your morning routine, this is also something you can kind of learn more about on the Cacao Laboratory. There, you know, Florencia and her community, they have workshops around cacao as well, whether it's online and in person in New York. And she travels a lot for this work as well. And of course, you can always dip into my DMs. If you have any questions, I'd be more than happy to share some insights of, you know, my practice that I've been kind of really working with for the last two years. So yeah, without further ado, here is Florencia Friedman. Hello, hello, Florencia. Welcome to the podcast. It is so great to have you here with me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Me too. I've been following your content, your beautiful journey, the work you do with the Cacao Laboratory for a couple of years now. And it's just so beautiful to be able to have this conversation with you and to share this wisdom with the world and with our listeners. Because it is a question that I get asked a lot is <laughs> about cacao, cacao medicine, plant medicine, how to work with it, and just bringing, you know, going back to the roots, the origin story. So looking forward to diving into your wisdom. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. So Florencia, I would love to know a bit more about your journey. And I get the sense you were in health and wellness before you moved into the cacao and kind of more spiritual space, if we'll call it. So I wonder if you can shed light on, on your story. Like what brings you to where you are now today? Yeah, it's been, I think, a long time coming and we're always arriving in the spiritual path. But I started my journey, I guess when I was eight, we started doing a lot of work with rebirthing through my family. Rebirthing is a breathing modality that brings you to explore the subconscious and to see a lot of the traumas that we have been carrying. When we have a specific experience, just like our bodies begin to fight off viruses and they have kind of like the formula on how to protect us in the same way, trauma is kind of explored in that way through the body. So when we have a particular experience, our body now knows how to respond and then protective mechanisms and coping mechanisms 
kind of get activated. So rebirthing has been a modality that allows us to explore this. And many people are able to reach their first trauma, which is our birth. So that kind of work started at a very young age. A lot of my family members are rebirthing facilitators. And yeah, and my mom was always, although we grew up Catholic, even though my last name is Friedman, very confusing, but (laughs) (laughs) although we grew up Catholic, my mom was always very curious about the path of the spirit. So she did a lot of exploration of Sai Baba, who is a guru from India. We have some of our family members that are devotees of Sai Baba. My mom was also exploring Osho meditations. We would listen to the laughter meditations and crying meditations when we were very young with my brother. So there's always been this curiosity of going deeper into our exploration with spirit. What a beautiful practice to start so young. I think it's a rare, rare thing nowadays. I think, you know, it shouldn't be, but I think it's unheard of. And I think that's so beautiful. If you think of that time, that age, so you mentioned eight, just thinking about the developmental process and really, you know, turning into self and understanding the self at that time. I think it's such an important part of our personality development as well. So being able to do that work, I imagine must have been so incredible and so impactful. How, you know, and just touching on the rebirthing process, because I think that's something that isn't talked about nearly enough is the trauma of the womb and what that might mean. Can you tell us a bit more about that trauma? Yeah, been doing also lately a lot of work on emotional release. It's a technique that is infusing a lot of cognitive therapy, neuroscience, as well as somatic work. And this is a new thing that I'm introducing into my life, but I see a lot of similarities with the rebirthing process. When we are in the womb, we are so held and protected. And there is this, you know, this warmth that is holding us in that space. And when we are born, it's the first time that we are alone. We feel that we are alone. And we're cut from that direct connection to our mother. And so I feel this is like the moment where a lot of us are feeling like there's a separation and, you know, abandonment. And what I'm learning through this emotional release work is that we have a lot of these wounds, like core wounds, that then we have experiences as trauma that are reactivating those core wounds. So a lot of what we're experiencing, we might think that maybe that car accident that we had at the age of 8 or 10 was the big trauma that we experienced but maybe that was just a symptom of that bigger wound that we were already carrying. And this is something that's often explored through rebirthing, like really going to the core of the experience and being able to expand it and kind of rewire that experience, retelling the story so we can heal ourselves. Mm, that's beautiful. I have done a guided meditation similar to that is revisiting the birth and almost creating a new narrative, a new reality for yourself, going back in that space, which, wow, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's profound. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And it's interesting in the work that I do, especially with people, with women who are, you know, struggling with disordered eating or eating disorders, there's actually such a tight relationship that we actually know. And what I'm a huge fan of is marrying the science and the ancient wisdom and something that in the science, what we're now showing, which is exactly this is ancient wisdom that, you know, your ancestors, your family knew about, and they practiced for generations, I'm sure. 
And what we're seeing now, it's like science is finally catching up, is that there is such a relationship between the development of mental illnesses and the birthing the process, you know, if there was a traumatic birth, if there was something wrong within the birthing canal, et cetera, et cetera, we can actually find that there's such a tight relationship there. So that's really, really interesting to hear about your learnings there. Thank you. So I'd love for to hear a bit more, you know, the cacao medicine is something that, you know, when I think cacao, I'm like Florencia is She's like the teacher. <laughs> she knows. And I know you've created a beautiful business with your brother, the Cacao Laboratory, which is now where I get my cacao from. It's so delicious. Mm, thank you. <laughs> I would love to go into a bit more of how you found plant medicine and specifically cacao and yeah, what your journey was to find it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for supporting us as well. It's been so special to be able to create something with my brother and Cacao Laboratory. You know, the name itself, it's an experiment on how, as you're mentioning, bringing in these ancient modalities and wisdom and understanding circular economy, infusing it to really heal the capitalistic world that we're living in today. I think a lot of us, just like in the world of spirituality, it's easy to spiritually bypass situations. I think also we have an important commitment with our, you know, ecological commitment, social commitment. And this is what we're doing through Cacao Laboratory. But my journey started many years ago. As we were briefly chatting before, I went to Guatemala in search for my soul. And I wanted to do a whole journey through South America. I was married in my early 20s. And through my marriage, it got to the point where I lost myself and my ex-husband lost himself. And in this process, we created so much pain for each other. I feel he's a very beautiful soul, but we really brought up the darkness of each other because neither one of us was really listening to what we needed in this lifetime. And I do a lot of work with the Mayan tradition, the Mayan Cosmovision, as well as now the Amazonian tradition of the Sapara. And in the Mayan Cosmovision, there's a particular calendar known as the Cholquich, which carries kind of like our astrology. Like in their Mayan tradition, you have a mission for being here. And your Nawal is often showing you what your mission is. And I carry the energy of Tijash, which is the sacred plants, is the curanderas, so like the healers, and those of us who are working in the form of healing, of cutting through the negativity, and I was so wrapped up in like the external world that I forgot how much my spirit needed to be of service. So I was on an adventure with somebody I had recently met and I wanted to do this whole journey through South America. He's like, okay, I'll come with you, but I just want to go to Guatemala. And I'm looking at him like, Guatemala? <laughs> like that's so random <laughs> because now we see that there's so much activation happening in this part of the world. But many years ago, not a lot of people were really talking about this amazing place. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just kind of like, let's go to Argentina, which is where I'm from, or Peru, <laughs> or like, you know, all these places. So long story short, it ended up, you know, our dream kind of got diminished by reality. We realized we have a time frame and also like financial situation where we have to really cut down on our trip so we only ended up doing Guatemala 
And we were doing this course that he wanted to do. Again, I had no idea about lucid dreaming back then. And now the Amazon community that I work with is all about dreams. Wow. So it's fascinating how so we're always guided. How, yes, just connects the dots. So about two weeks before our trip, he ends up saying that he's not going with me anymore and that he was going to go, I think, like earlier. So I'm going to this country. First time really that I'm like kind of leaving on an adventure like this on my own. And I end up in like a small village in the middle of Guatemala. No idea why I'm really there. But this course completely changed my life. It reactivated, I think, a lot of things that my mom had shown me briefly in glimpses when I was very young. And some of the qualities that I learned throughout my teens as like a health coach, raw foodist, but this was really like expanding my sight into a relationship with spirit. And Guatemala is such an incredible land that brings everything up to the surface, you know, and I was dealing with a lot of shadow and a lot of discomfort, but it was so similar to my hometown in Argentina where Argentina in Bariloche, my town is a big lake that is surrounded by mountains and San Marcos de la Laguna, which is where I had landed, is, you know, Lake Atitlan is a big lake that's surrounded by volcanoes. Yes, yeah, a sacred lake, isn't it? I feel like I've been looking into it. I'm hoping to go. <laughs> yeah, it's very Beautiful. special. Wow. So when I connected there, yeah, when I went there, I did a cacao ceremony and it was such an interesting experience. The elder that held the ceremony, as we were chatting, you know, this young elder, Tata Walter, who was a very, like, beautiful and simple ceremony, connecting with the sacred fire, connecting with the medicine of cacao, and doing a guided meditation. And when I opened my eyes from that meditation, there was so much clarity. And I felt like I was home in my body, in my temple. And I didn't need to analyze so much anymore. And I knew that I wanted to explore this deeper. So throughout this journey in Guatemala, I had a vision of wanting to do ceremonies with my brother. And it wasn't, I didn't understand it was cacao yet. Yeah, I came back to the States, went back to my natural rhythms. And a year later, I went to South Africa and started dreaming. I think we forget how important it is to dream at night, but also to dream what is our heart desire? What is our calling? So during that journey in South Africa, I started dreaming what it would be like to create the life that I wanted. Like I was on a clean slate. I had no responsibilities except to take care of myself at this point since I had just left my marriage. And it's like, what do I want to do with this life? So that's where it all began. Oh, wow. What a story. It's amazing how your journey just unfolds in front of you and you might not know why at the time, why things are happening. I mean, I could just imagine if I was in your shoes, kind of this whole trip planned with this friend and then whoop, you're going on your own. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then just years later, that hindsight and being able to see like, wow, that was meant for me, right? That journey was meant for you to discover on your own. And this friend was like an angel, like a guide that allowed you to be able to book into this course it sounds like which is so so uh, I love stories like this it makes me so happy <laughs> beautiful mm -hmm. so nice and I wonder so I would love to touch more on the cacao medicine itself in just a moment but the lucid dreaming is also something I'd love to hear more about I know you do a bit of work with Separa Nation if I'm not 
mistaken. And it's interesting because I do a lot of work in Nidra, like Yoga Nidra, and like using that to kind of get into that state of consciousness where it's like similar to a dream state. But I'd love for you to just touch a bit on the importance of dreaming. So if you can just mention that a little bit, because you know that was a part of your journey as well. And understanding where you wanted to go in your life and that journey, that direction. Yeah, it's fascinating how people will first come into your life in these like really important moments and we again get wrapped up so much in the logical aspect of things. But I think he was an important guy to show me the way. And just like he showed up at the time that he needed and, you know, kind of went on his own, the elders that have come into my life have been in the same way where I wasn't, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, how did you get on this path? I'm like, how did you find your the elders that you're working with? It was really just like, I just opened my heart and started saying yes. There's not a specific formula, but I think when we are very clear and we create a commitment, these kind of things show up. And the dreaming, I was, you know, we bring our cacao from Cacao Oratory from Ecuador. So we were doing a lot of work in Ecuador and we went to a conference. That's where I met Manari. Manari Ushiwa from the Sapara Nation. And I told him about cacao. He's like, oh, I want to try a ceremony. And I was like, I'm not serving a, like a shaman from the Amazon, like cacao. <laughs> but it's shortly after he was in New York and we did a cacao ceremony together. Although now he works with cacao. With me, it's not a plant that they work with in the jungle. Cacao originates in the Amazon, but through the trading system, it moved up to Mesoamerica where it became domesticated as a sacred food. But yeah, as you were mentioning, you know, the Sapara work a lot with dreams. They work with other master plan teachers. And it's very different than the way that I was learning in Guatemala to work with the dreams. It's very practical, actually, the way that the Amazonian traditions work with dreams. Because when we look at the Spanish language, the English language, they're very much describing this physical reality. So we're kind of conditioned to only understand this material world. And yet with the languages of the indigenous nations, I'm a translator for a lot of communities. And when we're translating, you know, from their native tongue to Spanish, they're like, there's not a word in Spanish for this. And naturally there's not a word in English for this. Mm -hmm. So for them, when you're going into the world of dreams, it's like being here in this physical reality. It's just as real. And so they understand how the messages that we're receiving there are influencing us in this physical realm. So the Sapara say we live to dream and we dream to live. So all the messages that we're receiving in the world of dreams are teaching us certain qualities that we need in this human journey or for our spirit's evolution. There's also, if we are dealing with perhaps a future conflict, our dreams will let us know this is what the direction of where you're walking is guiding you. So become aware of this. And then we have a choice. Do we want to engage in that conflict or can we allow ourselves to redirect ourselves so it doesn't need to be so hard, so intense, or maybe even being able to avoid it altogether. And then there's also, you know, when for the physical experience, having somebody transcend is very difficult. And so when we are going to have somebody transcend, our spirit already knows and we will be told in our dreams. So usually those kind of dreams come in about a year before or six months before, usually a year before. 
So then our spirit is preparing a whole year. So we don't have a shock in our system when this person transcends. And so by activating this awareness of our dreams, we're able to really live from truly the heart space. It's not so much from the mind anymore. And we begin to see the beauty in the world so much different because we have a, a much more broad perspective than just what we're seeing with our physical eyes. That is incredible. Wow. Isn't it amazing? The body and the soul already know what to do, right? And I think that is a big part of the work I do is trying to help people build trust with this sacred vessel and where the soul lives. And it's just so beautifully put and seeing this six months, I didn't know the six months a year in that preparation. That's so incredible that it's already there. The wisdom's there. So it's how can we tune into it? And so speaking of that heart wisdom and being able to move from a place of, you know, from a heart-centered place that's guided really from spirit versus the thinking mind, right? I think in today, well, not I think, it is the fact in today's day and age, we tend to kind of really work from a top-down approach, right? It's like think, think, think. How can I rationalize? It's a very like hyper-masculine energetic. It's not so much in the body and or which is tuned into the heart space in that felt sense. And you know, how I've been able to work with cacao is it is very much such a beautiful plant medicine to tune into heart and to tune into felt sense versus the thinking mind. So I wonder if you can tell us a bit more of moving into the plant medicine about cacao medicine. You kind of touched on the origins just briefly, but if you can tell us a bit about the history of it and then, you know, how it can be used, that we, I'm all ears. Yeah, thank you. This is such a special plant that has been really opening my world in incredible ways. And even though it's a very simple plant with beautiful, clear instructions, there's so much complexity in this medicine as well that is continuously evolving as we, you know, begin to go deeper into the relationship and exploration with her. Cacao actually originates in the Amazon. And as I mentioned earlier, through the trading system, it moved to Central America, where the Olmecs, the Aztecs, the Mayas, the Toltecs have been connecting with the medicine as a sacred food. And I've been studying with, who's now a, a good friend of mine, Pablo, who is an archaeologist and does a lot of work on understanding the science of you know, the Mayan traditions mixed with working with elders, nanas and tatas, which are you know, the Mayan spiritual guides, to understand this unification of science and spirit. And he's shown me how there's vessels that have been found in a lot of Mayan and, you know, Central American regions where you see the specific recipe that was made for that particular cacao. And like that vessel was only utilized for that recipe. And oftentimes it was also connected to a king because in certain periods and certain locations, cacao was only consumed by the royalty. It was a, such a sacred food, and because it didn't originate from that region, in some parts it was difficult to find. So it was something that was really a luxury to be able to receive. And there's also a lot of you know archaeological findings that show that there was a deep relationship for the Mayas and many of these other traditions in relation to cacao. There's a lot of mystery about how cacao was utilized in ceremony. There's a lot of people that say that cacao wasn't 
you know, we see now cacao ceremonies are specifically for that plant. A lot of people say that cacao was used as a vehicle to connect deeper with spirit, but it wasn't such thing as a cacao ceremony. So again, this is quite a mystery. I do know that like in the Mayan tradition, I've been to many fire ceremonies for the Achkich or the Achkihad, the Mayan spiritual guides. They usually work oftentimes with the sacred fire and they do a count of the Cholkich or Cholkin, which is the lunar calendar that consists of 260 days. And as they're going through this process of communing with each energy and giving gratitude and giving offerings, cacao is connected, is utilized. I don't want to say utilized because it's not an object. It's a beautiful spirit, but it, it's a, inviting us really to open our hearts and to open the doorway of a deeper communication with spirit. It's not a psychedelic plant. Although many of us can receive visions, it's not activating like a visual experience. It's more of a bodily experience. There's so many physical components of cacao. There's over 300 biochemical responses in the body. But the essence of the medicine, you know, is really like when you start looking at the connection of the physical benefits and how it's utilized in ceremony, we can see such an interesting relationship of the physical and the energetic connection. So this is really opening us in a deeper relationship with spirit. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh, there is so much I want to, in so many directions I would like to take. <laughs> like, yes, love it. And just the amount of, like you said, biochemicals that are present in this cacao plant. It's, you know, one of them that comes to mind. It's actually interesting that I'd say you might it's really funny because when I host ceremonies, so that's something that I did back in London when I was there, I held women's circles and would host a cacao ceremonies. And you know, of course we had to honor the plant and we do, we connect with the four directions and there's a whole you know ceremony, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a moment. But before the, you know, the lovely women and souls that came and joined me, I would send them a video to get them a sense of what to expect and the one that I sent was your documentary on the cacao food of the gods so mm -hmm. it was just such a full circle because I hadn't realized at the time until I came to New York and I found you I was like because I had already been following you but I wasn't fully aware of where you were so it was a full circle moment to think wow okay here I am That's <laughs> and beautiful. so it's just so beautiful it is definitely a video I'll link in the show notes because I think it goes into such a beautiful depth as well. But I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about, you know, the active ingredient that we often think about when we look in the literature, you know, we talk about theobromine and that kind of translating to the food of the gods. And if you can tell us a bit more of that biochemistry before we go into the ceremonial, more spiritual side. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I mean, I've been studying nutrition since I was like in my late teens and to see, again, the complexity yet simplicity of this medicine is fascinating, especially when we can see the way that our bodies are responding in relation to spirit. So I see the medicine of cacao. Let me take one step back. I feel personally we have something that is known as master plan teachers that are usually very strong medicines in the indigenous ways Medicine is anything that is bringing us into alignment of mind, body, and spirit. And I find that a lot of the master plan teachers are 
you know, often believed as like ayahuasca or peyote, hikori or machuma, these very profound, oftentimes like out-of-body experiences. But as we see, the indigenous communities also understood the power of cacao. And again, cacao is not something that is going to take you outside of yourself. It's really bringing you closer to home. And it's a plant that is almost in every culture. But it is a master plant teacher in the way that it carries the sacred instructions, just like many of the other plants. And the sacred instruction that I personally feel with cacao is the understanding of unconditional love. And unconditional love is a frequency. I see it as a place where we meet. There's a beautiful quote by Rumi. I forget exactly how it goes, but it's something along the lines of like, beyond the ideas of right and wrong, there is a field. And in this field is where I meet you. Something along those lines, right? And so that's kind of when we fall in love, we feel this infatuation, this passion, the butterflies in the belly, but that's where we're meeting that other being. And when we think about, you know, Valentine's Day, we're giving somebody chocolate because we want to express <laughs> like, hey, this is how you make me I feel. I never put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> how did I miss that? <laughs> that is incredible. Yes. Like here, oh, exactly. Wow. It's like this is a yes. symbol of how you make me feel. Mm. And when we look at the physiological responses in the body, there is a compound known as phenylethylamine. Very long word to say it's the same feeling or the same compound that we release when we fall in love. Mm. So, cacao is reminding us of what it's like to be in that place of love, to embody it. And what we do with that is up to us. Right. And so then there's also, as you mentioned, theobromine or theobromine, which is dilating our blood vessels, stimulating blood flow, really activating the energy in motion and activating this process of fluidity and awareness and focus and presence. But then there's also magnesium, which magnesium also has on its own over 300 biochemical responses in the body. It's one of the fundamental minerals that we need. Yet so many of us are deficient in magnesium and we see the response in mental health and, you know, the body's immune system and so many symptoms of this lack of support that we're giving our bodies. And sleep actually, right? Because it's so important in sleep and just going back to what you're saying about dreaming. So it's actually so interesting that we're, it is true, the soils in which our food grows is so deficient nowadays. Exactly. Mm. So when we look at magnesium, some of the interesting things that I feel like are linked to the benefits of cacao is magnesium relaxes our muscles, our joints, our nervous system. It's like that deep exhale. And that process allows us to drop from the mind into the heart. It also allows us to fully surrender. So now we are in a state where we are experiencing love. We are activated. We're present. But we're also relaxed. And then there's anandamide, which is nanda being the bliss molecule. So this is also guiding us into understanding what it's like to fully be experiencing life from the heart, shifting our perspective from being so much in our minds. And the last thing that I say, because I can go all day, but <laughs> I feel another fascinating thing that is in cacao is tryptophan coming together with magnesium 
becomes 5-HCP, which is a precursor to serotonin. Serotonin is something that we need for mood stability, and we have a lot of receptors in our mind, but we actually have most of our receptors in our gut. So cacao, really, I feel a lot of people are like, you know, I started working with cacao, and then I started meeting all these people, and like my life started kind of like assimilating in this way, and all these synchronicities were happening. It's like they they were always there. Cacao is not like our, I mean, I love the medicine, and I respect her and give her reverence, you know, but I also honor my relationship with her. And so it's like, you're opening yourself to something that was already there. The medicine is just guiding you to see it more clearly now. And it's also teaching us how to have that sovereignty, which we have really lost in this process of having so much external conditioning. And so I feel this medicine is really teaching us how to embody that sense of love in a way that we can begin to walk that path and we no longer need to look outside ourselves to understand what's my yes, what's my no. Yes. And they say that I notice and I, you know, honor her as Mama Cacao and you say she and her. And that brings me to this idea that she has a very motherly or they say grandmother or motherly really tenderness, right? And so being able to that going back to the womb, it's almost like that held, feeling held space, that safety, felt sense of safety for your nervous system so that you can then really tap into the body, to your heart center, to what your heart truly calls, what your soul truly calls. Because I think, like you said, is when we're fully conditioning, there's so much fear wrapped into that, right? How am I, you know, that validation, that external validation that perhaps we might seek, what will the world outside, how they will perceive me, right? And so being able to work with this medicine is almost like a feeling of being held by a mother or grandmother to be able to then do that surrendering, as you mentioned, so sacred, so beautiful. Wow. Oh, gosh. I'm like, I could listen to you all day, too. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so beautiful. And going back to the gut health, I think it's so interesting because, of course, my background is in dietetics as well and nutrition. And so there's so many polyphenols as well that are present and they nourish the gut. And we know that there's such a beautiful relationship between mind and gut, right? That gut brain. So Gosh, there are so many benefits to cacao, which brings me to the question that I often receive, which is what is the difference between, you know, what we know as chocolate, which has been highly industrialized and kind of commercially sold versus ceremonial grade cacao? What is that difference in that distinction? Yeah, this is a great question. And again, coming back to the mystery, I don't want to say that this is the only way how to describe ceremonial cacao. Ceremonial cacao, I see it in relation to organic food. Our ancestors didn't have to worry about food being organic or not organic. Everything came from the land was organic. And now through human manipulation, we had to learn how to distinguish this is of the land versus this has been manipulated. And with ceremonial cacao, it's really just coming back to the origin. It's something that we're reintroducing into our modern society it is very ancient. As I mentioned, we see the vessels that are, you know, hundreds and some maybe even thousands of years old. But there's a common understanding that we're now bringing into our modern society of how was this ceremonial or how was this cacao that was utilized in ceremony and sacred rituals? What was the quality of this cacao? And through Cacao Laboratory, I can share my perspective which has a lot of different components. And I think this is why for us, like 
it was such an important, again, laboratory experiment to invite into society because it starts with our cups of cacao, but then maybe we can start introducing this into everything else that we bring in because the spiritual path is not just like, okay, now I'm doing my spiritual practices at 10 a.m. and then the rest I'm like a human being in this human world. And the spiritual path is really embodying every quality and being congruent in every step of the way. So when we look at the physical benefits, or not so much the physical benefits, but the quality of having the cacao be a bean that has been, you know, grown through many generations and it's not genetically engineered, there's a lot of cacao. Uh, for example, in Ecuador, there's a cacao known as CCN51, which is being introduced into the rest of the world. And it was necessary at one point, just like we have, you know, medication that is necessary or the hospitals that are necessary for an immediate response. But then the CCN51 started being planted and harvested in many areas. And oftentimes it's a monocrop system, meaning the same type of tree is grown throughout the whole land. And so it's really affecting not just the quality of the cacao, the CCN51. It's a very big fruit, gives a lot of fruit. It's very abundant, but the flavor is really bland. And obviously the nutrients are going to be just not as high quality as like an heirloom strain. So we use Rio Nacional through the Laboratory, which is a specific strain that is just grown in Ecuador. But there's also other types of criollo beans that are also heirloom strains that can be considered ceremonial. When it comes to the land, again, biodiversity is really crucial which is really interesting because there's this amazing doctor you might be familiar with, Zach Bush, who talks about our gut flora in relation to, you know, biodiversity on the land. And if we were eating the same type of food over and over again, we would lack this diversity. And so the same happens with the soil. If you have, even if you have, you know, a criollo strain or an earlum strain that is grown on the land, but is just a monocrop system where you're growing the same type of tree throughout the whole farm, there's eventually a lack of nutrients that will, you know, the soil will be diminished from all the minerals and that will have an effect on the actual fruit. And we see this in Africa. There's an amazing documentary known as Rotten. It's a series and they have one specific one on cacao. And they share there that there was a lot of protected areas in Africa that have been deforested due to the cacao industry. And when you look at it on paper, it says that this is a protected zone. But when you physically show up, it's all been deforested for them to plant the trees because the other trees, due to the monocrop systems, have been not giving fruit. Mm. So, Gosh. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really important when we're working with a plant and understanding our commitment and our responsibility and it's a responsibility. My friend Pablo, who's the archaeologist, you know, talks a lot about this. And we actually have a course and workshop on spiritual commitments because it's not, again, just the spirituality responsibility, but it's also our social commitments, our ecological commitment. So when we talk about ceremonial cacao, we might not see it as like something that's important for our physical benefits, but also how we're showing up on with the farmers. Like, are we taking care of the farmers? Are they being, you know, respected and also financially supported? Because the cacao industry is very 
very tricky industry, just like many of the agricultural industries. So I think cacao, for some people, they feel that it's really abusing a sacred plant. Mm. But I think it's all about how we approach it. And it's bringing a lot of reverence to the indigenous communities if it's done properly, a lot of opportunities for the communities to be heard. I feel like through my work with cacao, I've been able to introduce a lot of people into many projects or many of the, the challenges that the indigenous communities are happening. And it's a very clever way as an activist to be able to plant some seeds into other people's, you know, right, lives. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's something that I value so much in the work you do is the ecological responsibility and the cultural piece as well, which is really honoring where this this plant medicine comes from and really how it's been used in the origins and i think that having a deep reverence and respect and honoring that is so important and i value that so much so just to kind of get a sense of would you say then in your definition as you put it that ceremonial gray cacao is one you know is a type of cacao that really honors where and the people so from literally seed to where and when it gets to you it's something that really honors this whole process and making sure that we really maintain biodiversity and the kind of original nutritionally rich composition of the cacao plant would you say that's kind of how you would define it ish yeah <laughs> did i get exactly. it right <laughs> yeah that's perfect and lastly right. is just the process of like fermentation drying mm -hmm. roasting And a lot of people think that ceremonial cacao is raw cacao, but mm -hmm. actually one of the first ways of giving an offering to cacao for the Mayan tradition is by roasting in the smoke. It becomes an offering to the energies that assist us. So ceremonial cacao is never actually raw. Ah, interesting. And so what would be the difference? How would you define the difference between cacao and cocoa? Is there a difference? Yes, cacao is the whole bean. Cacao beans are 50% fat, 50% solids. Cocoa is usually a heating process that is separating the fat from the solids. Mm. And so the solids is what you're consuming as cocoa. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. And I think that when we, it's interesting because thinking about the heart and just going back to the heart, thinking about the percentage of fat in cacao and even just menstruation, if we think about that time of the month and just assisting with the womb and that it just kind of putting it all together, fats are so important for that time. And I'm just thinking because I have so many women who are people who live with a uterus who tell me, they're like, why do I always crave chocolate at this time of the month? <laughs> right? And just putting it all together, it's like, well, actually, it's really important for your hormonal regulation because of the fat percentage that it, it's so rich. And then equally, you have that heart, that, that kind of really uh, time to retreat, to go inward. And cacao can be a great assistance for that. Yeah, and it's also the vasodilation. So it allows the stimulation of your blood. And so when usually when we are dealing with cramps, it could be, you know, this could be really helpful in dilating and kind of getting things moving. Mm. And also the, the ton of minerals that are supporting us as well. Oh, yeah, the magnesium. I mean, there we go. Mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> Incredible. That's so beautiful. So, and then the last piece that I wanted to touch on is the element of ceremony. That cacao, you know, as you mentioned, it's kind of a mystery in how this showed up as a practice, if we can call it, or, you know, a ritual rather. And I wonder, you know, today's day and age where perhaps we might be quite disconnected as a society, 
And cacao, of course, allows us to come inward with ourself and really tune in with the body, the felt sense, the soul, the spirit. But what is the importance of ceremony, right? And bringing in that element into how we work with cacao today. Yeah, I think ceremony and rituals are a practice on, again, how to embody these teachings. And it gives us a moment of reflection. It gives us a moment of gratitude, just bringing reverence and acknowledging everything that we already have, everything that we are becoming, and beginning to have a space for ourselves to write our story, a moment of reflection, without going too deep into the process, the Sapara tradition, you know, we all have different origin stories depending on our lineage. The Mayan story is beautiful. The Popol Vuh, I definitely recommend for you all to see it, to read it. But in the Sapara tradition, which is the Amazonian community I work with, they say that we were living in the world of spirit coming from another planet. There was some division that happened when it came to power with the different spirits. So the two bigger energies decided to materialize the earth to start understanding these divisions of power. So when we came to the earth, one of the deities was like, how are we going to remember that we come from spirit? And that's why we have that space of dreaming. And Makihauno, which is what the Sapara call the space of dream, like the bridge, can be accessed through sleeping. It can be accessed through meditation, through yoga, and also through plant medicine. It's really what I see as the imagination. But we are not taught in modern society to give the importance to that space. So we're very much filtering everything through the mind. And that's where a lot of the fear-based reality is coming from. So I feel it's really crucial for us right now to come into our life in spirit and ceremony. Ceremony is often done in community as well, which is essential for our existence. And so I think when we see every culture, there's some sort of spirituality that comes into play. And as modern society, I think we need to start rewriting what that means to us. And that's why we're in the process of this plant medicine renaissance and these spiritual practices. Yeah, there's such a collective shift happening, this global reawakening, which is so exciting to be a part of and to just witness. And it's like, woo, okay, let's do this. But uh, absolutely, there is definitely that renaissance as as you mentioned and so it's almost like would you say it allows cacao is a gentle push to open that door to access the subconscious right because it's almost like we're constantly living in a conscious mind where we're we're so awake shall we say but yet we're not (laughs) because we're not tapping into this kind of that subconscious which is where so many of our belief systems live which then perhaps limit us from really reaching what we can call self-actualization, that fulfillment, that bliss state, that purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with cacao and with any spiritual practice, it is important to understand the responsibility that comes in. Because just like when we go to a new city, we have a tour guide that is telling us where to go. It is important to have some guidance. A lot of people get afraid when they hear that. It's like, should I not drink cacao? It is, you can drink cacao on your own and, and, you know, just being aware of what you're connecting with when you're drinking the plant. But also if you're wanting to go really deep, especially to serve cacao, understanding that responsibility, I think that's kind of what we're seeing oftentimes. And there's different ways of connecting with the plant and different types of ceremonies. 
the way that I like to connect with cacao is a very deep process of healing and transformation. That is just one way. There are other people that love to do it through dance and movement, and that's amazing too. But understanding what doors we're opening when we are connecting and committing to these kind of practices is a really important piece. But yeah, I think it is something that we need to start inviting more into our lives, this process of ceremony of ritual. Mm, yeah. And of course, there's also a matter of dosage, I imagine, which will then influence, I guess, would you say how how deep you go? <laughs> there's like a daily dose, there's a ceremonial dose. So I imagine that has an impact as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that and the intention, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my last two questions for you, Florencia, the first one is what lights you up? What lights your soul up on fire? So there's this book from Charles Einstein that is called A More Beautiful World or Hearts Know is Possible. And it's been my mantra, I think, since I started Cacao Lab and now with Floreset. Floreset is a community platform that we started about a year ago that I started with my own baby and I have an amazing team. But that just, it lights me up so much to see that there is a vision of a new world and we're all really showing up for it. And through the like deep mud, but also through the celebration and the dance and community. Yeah, it's that activation of knowing that there's a more beautiful world that is being birthed right now. Mm. Yes. Mm, I got it. I'm like feeling in my body. I'm dancing for you. (laughs) That's exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in to Align with Ari. Now, if you like this episode, subscribe, rate, review if you feel called. And please share with a soul sister you think would love to hear it. And if you're looking for more support, head to arianarodriguez.com where you'll find some free resources, a quiz, my embodiment toolkit, and coaching services for a more personalized approach. You can also find me at Align with Ari on YouTube or align.with.ari on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and catch you soon.